Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 again. And uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Well, somebody calculated, uh, was it in this service? Somebody calculated how many years we were going to be in the book of Genesis at our current rate. <laughs> Who was that? Does anybody know the answer to that? How many years are we going to? Joe Kilgore calculated how many years? 32 years. 32 years? Okay. Yeah, so this is my swan song. <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> um, yeah, praise the Lord. If you didn't get a handout, put your hand up and somebody will get you a set of the hard copy notes. You can get the digital notes on Facebook, YouTube, uh, mbtkc.org. We've got uh, Wagi back from Egypt. Woo! Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get an update on that. We've got the teams back from Boston and Tampa. Uh, so we've got to get updates on that. And we've got a team in Laramie. So uh, be praying for them this morning. Our, our team will be meeting with the, uh, the, the new church out in Laramie, Wyoming. So a uh, lot, lot going on. You know, be praying. Uh, there's, there's Bible studies all over. Dallas, Denver, uh, Nairobi, um, Praise the Lord, I, you know, Vietnam, Japan. God's at work and uh, it's, it's a real privilege to be able to be a part of, of what he's doing. Uh, let's pray, we're gonna pray, uh, we wanna also pray for the offering in the time of COVID. We, we'll have to get back to passing the plate, so pray about that, because I know everything's digital and online, but what a great time to remember that we're stewards and that God is worthy. God deserves all the glory, and one of the things that he does that's just so brilliant, you know, the scriptures say that where our treasure is, there our heart, right? There will, our heart will be also, and, 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 and that's, a, that's an incredible concept, right? If my treasure is only in my wallet, then my heart is only on myself. You get what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that's just, that's no way to live. Um, I want to be a steward, I wanna recognize that God gets the first, not just dime out of every dollar, but the first of the whole of my life, my time, the way he's built me, the way he's gifted me. It all belongs to the Lord, and I just get to manage those things for the glory of God, and you do too. And so, the, the, tactically, the way giving works is we've got boxes at the back of the auditorium on either side of the sound booth, and then at either of the west entrances, uh, there are offering boxes on the wall, but you can also give online at mbtkc.org. You can hit the My MBT link and, and give there. Um, if you, you know, if you, if you, I don't remember how it all works, but if you mess it up, you actually are, you know, we, just like if you wrote a bad check, uh, we end up paying bad, bad check fees. If you use a credit card, you get that the banks get like two or three percent or whatever, you know. So th there is a right way to do it to maximize that effort. If you have questions about that, you can contact the church office and they'll be happy to help you. But, but, but let's pray, let's, let's submit our lives to the Lord right now and, and uh, we'll trust the Lord to work with us this morning. Father, we love you, God, we need you. Lord, you do miracles. Uh, you work wonders. God, you have loved us with a great love and we're grateful to you. We're thankful 
before you. And God, we want to give you praise. Thank you for the worship this morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, we trust that you are glorified in it, that, 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 that for some this morning it, it truly was a sacrifice of praise. And, and Lord, at the same time, uh, we're blessed by it. And, and Lord, we trust that you are too. And we just ask that you'd continue to grow us as a ministry, as a church, to be worshipers. And, and so would you continue to gift people like Alex with a new song. And uh, Lord, our worship leaders, to gift them to and give them the wisdom and the discernment to know how to effectively lead us uh, into your presence with thanksgiving and praise. God, we thank you for the opportunity to give, and Lord, what a privilege that is to be a part of something that, that can actually help fund and produce fruit that will, that will abound to our account at the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, to be a part of something that you're building, a kingdom that you're building for eternity um, you know, I, I think so often, Father, about the times where me and other brothers will be talking, you know, 10,000 years from now about, about what we did and how we gave and where we went and who we discipled and how that, in hindsight, you used it in some incredible way to build your kingdom. And uh, it'll be awesome just to see how you're working through your people. And so, Lord, work through us now. We want to learn. We want to we grow in our understanding of your word. And so, Lord, we trust you. We thank you uh, for the help of the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, I pray that you'd take me, my stumbling lips, the weakness of my flesh, Lord, and set all of that aside. And then, God, let your word just have its way uh, with our hearts and our lives. We pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today we're on day five, but if we're gonna get everything out of day five, uh, let's just remember what we saw in day four. Okay, so switch back to day four very quickly. Uh, for our review, in verses 14 through 19, we saw God set lights. They divided the day from the night, and they were for telling time, and, and they're in the firmament, and they give light on the earth, verse 15. So verse 16 says, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, so he sets them in the firmament. And we talked about last time the implications. There's, a, there's an incredible picture in what we see God doing on the fourth day. So we looked at the implications of the fourth day and we saw this picture that the sun shows up, right? The sun shows up four days after this renovation process takes place. This creation week begins. And we looked at, in 2 Peter 3, verse 8, the key to God's prophetic timing. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Uh, we saw it again in, in Psalm 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So if prophetically you're gonna, you're gonna get a big picture understanding of what God is doing, right? What, 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 is God, what is God's timetable? Well, don't be ignorant of this one thing. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And so you're gonna see millennial day patterns in your Bible. Uh, it is going to lay out for you prophetically the work of God, six days of labor followed by a day of rest. That's what we're gonna see in Genesis one and two. 
So after four days, four millennial days, uh, that's the picture, four literal 24-hour time periods here in the creation account, uh, God puts a great light in the sky. And uh, 4,000 years after creation, a great light showed up and shone upon humanity. Malachi chapter four, verse two, calls him the son, S-U-N, of righteousness. Jesus appears on earth in the fourth millennial day. And we talked about how Jewish tradition and Usher's chronology put the creation of earth in 4004 BC. Uh, Four days later, Matthew chapter 17, we see Jesus taking Peter, James, and John, his brother, bringing them up into a high mountain apart. And the Bible says, verse two, he was transfigured before them, and watch this now, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And so God is confirming for you, he's showing you uh, this millennial day picture. Four days from creation, the light, the sun of righteousness is shining. Uh, Jesus will come. And so God, in marking the time of creation, he is marking the time of the birth of Christ. And this shows up on millennial day four. Most people will put the birth of Christ somewhere between two and four BC. So that is four millennial days from creation. It is now 2021 AD, 2021 AD. Uh, We are how many millennial days from the birth of Christ? It's two full millennial days. Uh, Two plus four equals six. What's, what, what are the, what, we're on the cusp of day what? Day seven, uh, six days shalt thou labor, and then comes a what day? A Sabbath day, a rest day. We're at the end of the days of labor, aren't we? Uh, as a matter of fact, with it being 2021, we could say that God in his mercy has us on overtime. Praise the Lord. Okay, day five. Here it is, and God said, verse 20, this is where we are, Genesis 1, verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth, how? Abundantly, abundantly, this is a key word. The moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth. We'll look at the living creature when we get to chapter two and verse seven. God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters, watch this now, brought forth how? Abundantly. Life is being brought forth abundantly from waters after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind and God saw that it was good. And if you've ever, uh, my favorite thing growing up I'm just telling you, one of my top 10 lists, man, growing up was getting to go through the drive-through at Kentucky Fried Chicken, where we would get a bucket of original recipe. And, uh, you know, I always was conflicted. Am I hogging too much of the bucket? You know, there were, there were seven of us in, in my family. How much of that bucket can I eat and get away with it? It was good. Finger licking good. God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, because everyone needs chicken. 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Since we're looking at millennial day pictures, let's look at the one in day five. So here's our fifth millennial day picture. And again, remember, 2 Peter 3, 8 is our cross-reference for that. So on day four, the sun shows up. Now what has to happen? Well, after day four, life has to multiply, right? Let the waters bring forth abundantly, what? Life, the creature, the moving creature that hath life. The, 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 they're to reproduce after their kind, okay? So after the fourth day, on day five, life must multiply. And so what this is now is the beginning, this millennial day picture shows the beginning of the church age. Okay, that will picture for you the church age. When Christ shows up, life, his life multiplies, right? That is necessary, and we saw this already in John chapter one and verse four. In Christ, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is our life, and so it must multiply. That's the task that he gave us, to reproduce after our kind, to go into all the world with the seed of the gospel. We preach the gospel to every creature, and then we reproduce after our kind. We have this treasure of, of, of God's word, the seed of God's word, the life of God in these earthen vessels. And everywhere we go, we're going, making disciples. This life must multiply. Look at John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more what? Abundantly. When the sun, when the sun shows up, the waters, when you study out the waters in your Bible, okay, there's a lot of things that they'll picture, but the two big ones will be the word of God and the nations, the multitudes of peoples over the earth. Let the waters bring forth abundantly. I'm come, right, that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. In John 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at a well and he's talking about water. And if you drink the water from the well, you'll get thirsty again, but watch this, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let the water bring forth life abundantly. He is, John 14, six, our life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then look at Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So do you see that picture? The sun shows up on day four. So starting day five, we should see life, right? The life of the son of righteousness, enabling life to multiply abundantly. Is everybody with me? Okay, but then we got whales, white whales, okay. So keep a finger in Genesis chapter one and turn to Jonah, Jonah chapter one. We're gonna spend a little time in the book of Jonah. Why whales? Well, according to Job 7.12, God set a watch. God is interested in the whale. God set a whale watch for a reason. We do whale watches today, don't we? You save up for you know 10 years and you go on a whale watch, you, you get on a ship and you've, you cruise around Alaska and Watch for whales. Why is that? Well, they're big. And you think, that thing could swallow me whole and not even know it, you know? Am I a sea or a whale that thou settest a watch over me? 
Okay, so why does he mention, so the sea just brings, I mean, the, just the gazillion types of marine life and whales get mentioned. Why? Okay, you need to understand the sign of the whale. And uh, your, your big cross-references for that are Jonah chapter two and Matthew 12, 38 through 40. So let's run it down. You guys remember the story of Jonah and the whale? Jonah got an assignment from God to go preach repentance to the wicked people of Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want to do it because he knows that these Ninevites in part will be used by God to judge. I mean, he's a prophet, he knows. They're gonna end up being used of God to judge the people of Israel. And so he ran, he ran from God, he ran from assignment. Jonah 1 verse one, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Matadi, or Amit, how would you say that? Amitai, Amitai, Amati, Amiti. You see that word right there that I will never get right in this dispensation saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose. Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish, not Nineveh. He's going to Tarshish, where? From the presence of the Lord. He's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. But how many know you can't outrun God? Many have tried, all have failed. For everyone that thinks they got away with it, there is a great white throne judgment and the rock you're hiding behind will disappear and uh, men will stand upon nothing before the fearsome, righteous presence of the Lord. He's fleeing from the presence of the Lord but the Lord sent a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so the ship was like to be broken. So the sailors are freaked out. They're trying to figure out why this freak storm came up out of literally nowhere. Whose fault is it? Nobody understands it. Their passenger's asleep, and they wake him up and find out his sin. And what we find out in chapter three is that suicide, you know, suicide, uh, as evil as it is, it's something that Jonah has been contemplating. He's got a suicidal streak. Why does he want to die? Well, this is the ultimate reason. This is why he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. This is why he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Jonah 3, verse 10. God saw the works. He's preaching repentance. And the people of Nineveh respond. They repent deeply, sincerely, completely. God saw their works, Jonah 3, 10, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. And then chapter four, verse one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. He's mad at God. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? (laughs) You send me to Nineveh to preach repentance, they will, and then they will destroy us. Do you see the argument that that Jonah is having with the Lord God Almighty? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish. Why? (laughs) Comes across a little petulant today, doesn't it? For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I'd rather die 
than to live knowing what's coming. Do you see that? And he can't, and God's whole point at the end of chapter four is, is don't you know there's all these little children? And we'll see next time, <laughs> and much cattle, why cows in Genesis chapter one? All this animal, and then he's bringing up cows. Well, invite a friend if they want to get freaked out, because we're gonna look at cows <laughs> next time. It's some crazy stuff, man. I mean, it's, and it's there, it's in the Bible. You say, I thought cows were good. They are good. I like mine medium, medium, medium well. Somewhere in that, they're really good. So he's, he's, he's suicidal already. So they find out, right? They find out that Jonah's running from God. They're like, why would you do that? Why would you implicate us in your rebellion against the creator of heaven and earth? We're cooked. So at Jonah's word, the sailors cast him overboard. And this brings us to the other reason that Jonah doesn't want to continue. It's because he's been to the other side. Okay, so here we're gonna see the sign of the whale. Verse, uh, uh, chapter one, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, so don't miss this picture. Whales are mentioned in Genesis chapter one because you're, you're supposed to, I mean, this is an incredible thing, okay? You're, you're, you can't miss this when it shows up when you get to the Gospel of Matthew in your Bible study. You're supposed to see and understand the sign of the whale. Whales are mentioned because they picture a tomb. Okay, that's your next blank. Whales are a grave in the deep. Okay, don't miss that. Whales picture for you a tomb. They function as a grave in the deep, at least for one man. And here it is, Jonah chapter two. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Well, I thought he was praying out of the fish's belly. Well, you know, when you're drowning, you can start praying in the fish's belly, but how many know you can be in two places at the same time? We are where? We're at 40th and Walnut, aren't we? Where else are we? We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ, okay? So what's happening? Jonah is now in a grave. He is in a tomb. So thou didst cast me, watch this now, into the deep. So this grave is in the deep, in the midst of the seas. And the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Uh, so, so he's under the water. <laughs> he's in the water, he's under the water. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. Okay, when waters compass you about, even to the soul, you've had your very last bad day, okay? Even to the soul, the Bible says, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me for how long? Forever. Verse six says, yet, here is the mercy of God. Yet thou hast brought up my life from what? Corruption. From corruption, O Lord, my God. Okay, that's a key word. You might even underline that in Jonah 4, or in Jonah chapter 2, verse 6. You brought up my life from where? From corruption. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 50 through 58, talking about the rapture of the church, we are delivered from what? Death and corruption. Our mortal puts on immortality. Our corruptible body puts on incorruption. And we'll see this here in just a second in Acts, what we're talking about. We're talking about the corruption of the grave, we're talking about the flesh rotting down, we're talking about life in the flesh coming to an end. You know, men have spent days inside of a whale and lived, okay? That's made the news before, it can happen. The real miracle here is that Jonah died and was restored to life. Watch this, verse seven, when my soul, what? Fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple, that they may observe lying vanities, for, that, they, that they observe lying, they that observe, there we go, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So Jonah, <laughs> running from God, comes back as, I mean, talk about reincarnation. He got sent back as fish puke, right? He, 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 he dies, I mean, right? He's fleeing, running from God, and he gets sent back as fish puke. So Jonah goes through this death, and regardless of how you view that, you're, you're not supposed to miss the picture of the whale as a tomb, okay? It is a grave in the deep. We saw that in Jonah chapter two. So Jonah goes through a death, a burial, right? That's in the whale, and a resurrection, fish fish puke, okay? Is everybody with me so far? Death, burial, fish puke, resurrection. Um, Ours will be much better than Jonah's, (laughs) okay? Death, burial, resurrection. After three days, so here's what you wanna get down in your notes. Jonah was resurrected to reconcile the lost. This was the city of Nineveh. Jonah was resurrected to reconcile the lost back to God. Do you see the picture? Does anybody see where this is going? Jesus saw where it was going. Okay, people say, well, okay, what about, I thought we were talking about whales, but Jonah chapter two calls it a great fish. Uh, Jonah chapter one, verse 17, great fish. God prepared a great fish. What's, What's that all about? Well, what did Jesus say? When we compare scripture with scripture, the Bible's position is that the whale is great fish. Well, no, the whale is a mammal. Well, it also swims in the sea. So the Bible calls it a fish, okay? You can call a whale a fish and be biblical. Well, science doesn't agree. Well, science doesn't have to, okay? A whale is a mammal and it can also be a fish. There, I don't have anything else to say about it. How do you know a whale is a great fish? Well, because Jesus said so. So my scientist trumps your scientist for eternity. Hello, somebody. I mean, he's the one that made them all. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he, verse 39, Jesus answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. You're not gonna get the sign you want. I'll give you one that you need because you're an evil and adulterous generation, Jesus said. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the what? It's the fish's belly, the whale's belly, 
so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Did Jesus swoon in the tomb? Well, the seaweed and the bars and the, no, Jesus died. He was buried in the grave and he rose again. Um, Jonah 2.2, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I, thou hearest my voice. Look at it from Acts chapter two. Look at the prayer over Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, Acts 2, 27, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see, what's that word? Corruption, this is the corruption of death and the grave. Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely. Let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, David, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his, Christ's flesh, see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up where we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of, uh, of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not, right? For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And let the whole nation of Israel say, don't. <laughs> it's time for repentance, right? What a picture this is. Just like Jonah, after three days, Jesus also was resurrected to reconcile the lost. And it's not just Nineveh now, it's the whole lost world back to God. Do you see that? Jonah, believe it or not, in your Bible is a type, it's, he's a really good type of Christ. And, and he's also an anti-type of Christ where he's running from the will of the Father, Christ gladly receives it. Christ gladly submits to it, even though he willingly laid down his life as well. I mean, there's just the parallels between Jonah and Christ are, are amazing. So here's Jonah, this is the sign of the whale. Jonah goes through the waters, He's attacked by a creature who dwells in the deep that doesn't really belong there. He's, he's a supernatural creature prepared by God. And this creature has Jonah three days and three nights, yet he cannot hold him. Uh, you know, you can just kind of picture the battle. Nobody wants to throw up. You know that battle that you have, like maybe if I just, just lay down and go to sleep, but you can't because your stomach's rolling. And you're like, I can't. If I go to sleep, I'm gonna barf in my bed. And, and like you're doing, all that, you're doing all that upchuck math, you know? And you're trying to work it out and just how could, oh, but, but, but barfing is the worst thing. I think I'd rather have my arm cut off than to, than to throw up. And, and so this whale's working through that. You know, this great supernaturally prepared fish is working through all of that. And he can't hold Jonah, right? I mean, up from the gullet he arose. Right, and so he just courses him out onto the sea or onto the beach, you know? So he can't hold him but spits him up on the, on the dry ground. 
Well, so also Jesus goes to the deep where he is attacked by a creature who roams there but doesn't really belong there. His name is called Leviathan. He is also a supernatural creature. You can read about him in Job 41. You see him in Isaiah 27. You see him in Revelation chapter 12. So Jesus goes to the deep and yet Leviathan, death, hell, the grave, they can't hold the Lord. (laughs) Think about it. The grave had to vomit Jesus up. The Lord comes bursting forth from the grave on what day? On the third day. Man, I don't care who you are, that's good. Isn't that good? That's so good. Understand the picture of the whale. It is a grave in the deep. That'll make your Bible come alive. Uh, you, read, you read the sign of Jonas and give praise to the Lord. I am I'm crucified with Christ. I am, Romans 6 says, buried with Christ. I am risen with Christ. No whale can hold me. No grave can hold me. My sins, right, the penalty of my sin has been paid for by the finished work of Christ at Calvary. What an amazing thing. Okay, let's talk about the birds. So the waters, verse 20, bring forth abundantly. Uh, Fowl, fowl, the birds are called fowl. And the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas. Let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Where do fowl fly? In the cosmos? No. Fowls can't exist in zero vacuum. (laughs) They need air and air currents to fly. So they're in the open firmament of heaven. It's the one above the earth. They fly through the air. We would call this the air. Now, this is nothing to be emphatic over, but there's a picture here. As you study the fowls and the owls, particularly the owls, (laughs) owls are fowl, and they rhyme. So as you study the fowls and the owls through scripture, you find out that something's actually sinister. There is some sinister insight from scripture, especially when guys like Poe get a hold of crows and stuff like that, you know? It's just something's up there. And, and so turn in your Bibles. Uh, maybe I put it on the screen. Did I put Isaiah 13 on the screen? Is that in the next slide? Okay, well, there you go. You can, you can take it easy. So this is the burden of Babylon. And when it's destroyed... It will be destroyed utterly, okay? No coming back. And this is what the Bible says about this destruction. Verse 20, it shall never be inhabited, (laughs) okay? That has not happened yet, okay? It shall never be inhabited. This is a future destruction of Babylon. Neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. Neither shall shepherds make their fold there, but wild, watch this now, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of, what kind of creatures? Doleful, have you ever met a doleful creature? Don't want to, they need to stay in the zoo where they belong. Doleful creatures, and then watch, watch this company, Foul, wild beasts, doleful creatures, and owls. Let the whole church say, whoo. Owls, that's who, owls. The owls shall dwell there, and then look who else they're with. 
And satyrs shall dance there. Well, everybody knows satyrs are holy and love God with all their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. No, these are demonic creatures. The wild beasts of the island shall cry in their desolate houses and dragons in their pleasant palaces. And her time is near to come and her day shall not be prolonged. So doleful creatures, satyrs, you know, uh, chimeras, fallen spiritual beasts, and owls. What's up with fowls? What's up with the foul owl? Well, Leviticus chapter 11 in verses 13 through 19 tell you that owls are abomination. God declares them to be an abomination to God's people. You're like, but they look so regal and majestic and adorable and so helpful in Harry Potter. Did you not see, Pastor, did you not see the Harry Potter movies? I rest my case. (laughs) You, You get what I'm saying, right? Oh, they're just so, they're so cool. Okay, yeah, right before they gouge out your eye. Okay, so owls. Owls are an abomination to God's people. In other words, they're not on the menu. Okay, we don't, we don't if we're an Israelite under the law, we don't cook an owl and say, wow, tastes like chicken. No, they're, they're abomination. Tastes like abomination. That's what it is, so you don't eat it. <laughs> Look at Job 30, verse 26. When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. This is a dark, evil time in Job's life. And then he describes it, my bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. I went mourning without the sun. You see him, just complete, feels like he's completely cut off and apart from God. I cried in the congregation. Look at how he describes himself in his, in his suffering. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. <laughs> my skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. My harp also is turned to mourning and my organ into the voice of them that weep. Um, not cool to be a companion to owls. The land of Edom, okay, this is Isaiah 34. Uh, Idumea, Idumea, Edom, okay? This would be like the southeast region of the Dead Sea, okay? Uh, This is where the descendants of Esau live, and they are judged in the day of the Lord, catastrophically, Isaiah 34 describes it. And it's called the day of the Lord's vengeance. Uh, It's a time of where streams are turned into pitch, the dust, of the land is turned to brimstone. The land has become burning pitch. I mean, it's just annihilation, and it doesn't stop. The Bible says in verse 10, it shall not be quenched night or day, this destruction of Edom. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation, it shall lie waste. And this has not happened yet. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Okay, this is what it will be like in the day of the Lord, in the thousand year reign of the Lord. But some will live there, no people, but the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it, and he shall, he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. This is a desolate, evil place. They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there. All her princes shall be nothing, Thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof, and it shall be an habitation of dragons and a court for owls, fowls, the foul owl. 
wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the beasts of the island and the satyr, here we are again, these, these, these demonic chimeras, the satyr shall cry to his fellow, the screech owl also shall rest there and find for herself a place of rest. This evil place is a delightsome place to the owl with the demonic companions. There shall the vultures also be gathered, everyone with her mate. Um, they shall possess it forever from generation to generation. These doleful creatures are gonna inhabit this place. Okay, why? Why is the owl abomination? Why is it associated with such a negative connotation? Why, why, is, why does it have that? Well, what do the fowl picture? Remember in day five, what is their dominion? They fly where? In the air, right? Everybody knows that. We, we get that by the time we're two. We got that one down. Well, Ephesians 2.2 tells you that we used to walk before we got saved according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the what? Of the air, okay? So spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6.2, dwells in, right? It has a place. It's the prince of the power of the air. It has a place up. This is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What do we wrestle against? Well, against these high principalities, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So when you study your Bible, pay attention to the birds because they're gonna show you, you're gonna get insight into spiritual truth, both good and bad. Uh, the good would be the dove. When you see the dove, the dove is a type Right, it flies in the air, doesn't it? Well, you wanna talk about principalities and high places. There is no one higher than our God, right? Matthew chapter three, 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went straight up, straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, like a dove and lighting upon him. Okay, so both the fowl will picture for you both good and bad spiritual powers in high places. There are foul that are very clearly on the abomination list and so they're gonna picture for you these, these, these spiritual entities that are in rebellion against God. Um, you know, sometimes when a little birdie tells you something, it's not a good thing, huh? Sometimes it's a bad thing. Uh, what spirit is behind the work of gossip. Sometimes a little birdie will tell you something and you're rescued out of disaster and you're saying, oh God, thank you. I didn't keep going that way. Uh, so we even talk about it in those terms today. Why else does the text mention foul? Why else? Well, because birds are good. I mean, they're good. When something is good, we say it tastes like what? I mean, it can even be turtle. That is good, man. That tastes just like, let the whole church say, chicken. Chicken is good. It's delicious. And God saw, God said, it's finger licking good. Why? Because God is good. Not like chicken, okay? <laughs> Not like chicken. But God is good. And so that is the thing that we need to see this morning. What bird is hooting in your ear or clucking, whatever the case may be. What bird is in your ear? What bird are you dealing with this morning? 
can you say, man, it's, it's doves all the way? Or do, do, the, do the screech owls keep you up at night? What bird are you dealing with? Is it the Holy Spirit or another spirit? And my Bible tells me that just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he's always working. Uh, the dove is always cooing. The dove is always proclaiming the goodness of God. The question on the floor is, do we hear it? John 14, 25, Jesus said it this way, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Uh, you watch any scary movie, somebody's walking through the woods, what's the first sound effect you hear? It's a screech owl, right? It'll be anything from the subtle, whoo-hoo, like heads up, movie plot is about to get real, or it can be that screech, I can't even do that sound effect, the screech owl. <laughs> and, then, and then it just, it, the whole plot just goes right through the, I mean, it's over. It's on like Donkey Kong. Grim death. What bird? What bird? Well, pastor, I don't have any peace. It's all screech owls. You know, Satan, the ultimate principality in the highest of places apart from God, he's called the accuser of the brethren. Did you know that? He's always screeching in the ear of God's people. You screwed up so bad, you could never. You've made such a mess of your life, how could you ever think? I mean, no, no matter what you do, it's always gonna be wrong. Those people at MBT are never gonna truly accept you. I mean, he's just relentless. The screeching just keeps going. He's called the accuser of the brethren. For some of you this morning, you need to stop listening to the screech owl, and you need to start listening to the dove. What does he give you? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you have that? Is the comforter cooing? <laughs> Is the comforter calling? Do you hear him, do you hear his voice? I'd like us to bow our heads and humble ourselves right now. And again, please, I just ask nobody be moving around. Kaya, you've got no place to go unless it's to the stage to lead us in worship, okay? You've got plenty of time. Everybody's praying right now. If there's somebody that's, that, 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 you know, the Spirit's trying to call, we don't want to distract from that. What bird is in your ear? Do you have God's peace? Or is, is, the, is the screech owl saying God's wrath abides over your life? And maybe you know biblically he has a point. Do you stand to set in judgment at Christ's return? Or do you have the peace that passes all understanding? You know, the owl has a place outside of God. It has a place that is a grave, a grave that is a result of God's judgment. We saw that very clearly in Isaiah. That owl has a place outside of God in a place that is a grave, that is a place of God's judgment over sin and rebellion. My Bible tells me that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 
and that the wages of that sin is death, 6.23. And so maybe, maybe that's not a screech owl. Maybe that's the Spirit of God convicting you. How many would say this morning, I don't know that I've got the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't know that. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm born again. I don't know that I am crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and risen with Christ. I'm not sure I'm saved. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is, is there anyone like that here this morning? If, if, if there is, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm right with God. Okay, I see it. Okay, I see it. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I, w- I wanna pray for you. Pastor, please pray for me. I don't know that I'm born again. I don't know that I have a right relationship with God. Would you pray for me? Any other hands? Okay, yes, yes ma'am. Okay, so there's a few. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, please pray for me? Man, I'm listening to the wrong bird. <laughs> um, it's a spirit of fear. <laughs> it's, a, it's an accuser. Uh, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm saved, but I'm not enjoying what Jesus promised in John 14. I know God is good. I know the Spirit is good, uh, but I am troubled. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. Okay, so there's several. Okay. We're going to pray, and then, beloved, <laughs> this is your part. Okay, this part of the service is your responsibility. If God is speaking to you, it is... Right? Anytime God speaks to us, it's our responsibility to respond. Uh, we do it now while it's called today, okay? If God's dealing with you about your soul, are you saved? Get it settled today. Just humble yourself. <laughs> Just submit to what the Spirit is saying and give your life to Christ. God loves you. He is good. <laughs> and brother, sister, that screech owl, that wrong spirit, Don't you know you have the ability? I mean, if nothing else, come get prayer. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous, right? The righteous man availeth much. Don't you have the ability? Ephesians 4.27 commands you, neither give place to the devil. Don't you know you have the ability to run foul away, to run them off? They have to fly away. Some bird is gonna be roosting in your life. We wanna walk in the spirit, amen? Father, I pray, you see, so many people are saying, I have, I see, I recognize, there's a problem, there's something wrong in my life, and Lord, I wanna ask for your grace and your favor that Lord, now would be a time of decision. God, that today would be the day of salvation for the five that raised their hand for prayer. God, help them to see right now how desperately you love them and how they can get it settled once and for all. Lord, we wanna show them from your word how they can know how to be rescued from the bondage and judgment of sin and be placed in the life of Christ and be your child. And then for my brothers and sisters that have been listening to the wrong spirit, God, help them to, help them to not give place to that wicked one to stop listening to the screech owl to stop listening Uh, and he just keeps pushing play and we just keep hearing the lies over and over again and and there's enough truth in them to make those lies convincing and and lord you didn't give us that spirit what your word says that's what should be true in our life 
And so God, I'm praying for some convicting work of the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place of repentance as believers, that God, we would stop listening to the accuser. Lord, I ask this, I pray this in Jesus' name.